Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. On today's episode, we're sitting down to discuss sexual violence. This episode may contain triggers and listener discretion is advised. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine. We have been friends for years now, and we've walked through a lot of different things together. So having her on the show, sharing a piece of her story with me and you is something that I'm very proud of. Safa and I dive into a conversation about healing, navigating and soothing our emotional triggers that come along with trauma and acknowledging self-forgiveness and dismissing self-blame. I think you all are really going to enjoy what she has to say about how she's moved through some really hard events that's happened over the past year. This is Safa's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hi, Safa. Oh, I'm so excited. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. And we just FaceTimed last night. So this is great. We did. We did. Yes. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, I'm really honored that you decided to share your story with not only me, but my listeners. Um, For those people who may not be familiar with your work and who you are, can you please give us a little background on yourself? Yes, um, I no longer have a social media presence. It's been a while, but I am an educator and new woodworker and currently residing in Philadelphia, PA. How how has that transition from D.C. to Philly treated you? Um, I know there's a little background of coming from D.C., going to Trinidad, mm-hmm. and then transitioning to Philly. Can you give us a little insight on that? Uh, Yeah, I'm in Philly now by way of Trinidad. After I left D.C., I believe it was in 2015, yes, and I stayed in Trinidad for about a year um, just working on businesses I was teaching there too, and uh, deciding to come back was a really difficult but necessary decision. Um, I lived in New York for, I guess, a couple months before I picked D.C., mostly because um, it was a nice midway point, <laughs> I'm a couple hours from D.C., a couple hours from New York, and I chose Philly because it was a space that I had been, I had a little bit of an introduction to years ago when my mom lived here, but I also needed space, and uh, I'm glad I just, I, it's been very good to me. I'm really happy that I'm here. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Um, so you mentioned space. So. Okay. Something happened in Trinidad that triggered you to move from being there for a year. Do you want to, do you want to talk about it? 
Um, yeah. Um, and at the beginning, you thanked me for being on the show. And I, I want to additionally just thank you so much for even extending um, the invitation, uh, because as difficult as some things might be, I think that finally opening up and speaking and not just that, but being able to share um, is really important um, for my healing as well. So thank you. Uh, Yes, in Trinidad, um, I experienced and survived a very significant um, sexual trauma. And uh, my goal initially, or my idea wasn't to leave. Um, it was out of just pure necessity, out of, you know, having to preserve self right. um, that I, I decided to come back. When did your healing from the sexual violence start? Because I don't want to, I don't want you to have to rehash and re and re revisit um, the, the physical trauma that happened. But I do, I know that the, I know there are people listening who this is going to completely touch and become relatable. Um, yeah. When did the healing start to happen and how did it start to happen? Because sexual violence is awful and violating. And I know that it can't be easy. No, it, um, nothing prepares you for it. Mm. Um, no matter how many articles or Tumblr posts or <laughs> no matter how many things you listen to that. And, you know, the whole idea of, uh, that whole rape culture, it's become very, it's, it's come to the forefront in recent years. And no matter how many things I had read or, or listened to, um, nothing prepares you for, for that. Um, healing a year ago, I would have said, um, it didn't start till, you know, that moment till about a year ago. Um, but I think, now looking back, even when I was spinning around not knowing, you know, um, what direction I needed to go in, even all of the missteps, I think all of that was a part of me finding my way. Right. Um, and, and I'm able to say that because I, you know, being able to forgive myself for the missteps and not be so hard on myself for making what at the time I thought was the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as, as being armed, I guess, with the tools, um, to press forward in a more positive way, I would say about maybe last summer around, you know, early summer, I really felt, uh, more empowered, stronger, um, you know, just having a little more direction, not feeling like I was spinning out of control. So you are Trinidadian. You're from Trinidad. And yes, I'm an island gal. <laughs> <laughs> and having such a traumatic experience happen on your homeland, how has that how has that shifted the way you love Trinidad? Because I know that you've you've talked about it just kind of feels different when you go home. You were just home, right? And while it's mm -hmm. it's still beautiful and your family is there, mm -hmm. you interact with the island differently. How 
how has it shaped you? How has the traumatic experience shaped you and your relationship with being home? Um, this is this is probably one of the saddest parts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Trinidad, like you, you said, uh, it's it it is home. Even though I've spent the last twenty plus years living in America as an American. Um, I've always been very, very close to my roots. Um, it, it no longer feels like home. <laughs> um, and that was, that was a really difficult thing for me to, to realize. <clears throat> um, I get there and usually I never want to leave. Whenever I go to Trinidad, it's like, it's really difficult. I've missed my flight on purpose a few times just because (laughs) I wanted to stay longer. Um, But now I get there and after a week, um, I get very nervous. Um, The beauty of the space itself, the physical beauty of the you know, the lush mountains and the rivers and the beaches, which is, you know, those are the places that I frequent and I feel safe and at home. Um, the city, the anywhere there are buildings or people, I'm very uneasy. Um, so it, it has, it's basically, it, it doesn't feel like home anymore. Um, and it's not just about the trauma happening there. It's about the way the society is structured to deal or not deal with, with things like that. So let's let's talk about that. Um, Did you feel, did you feel like you could get justice for the, the act for the violence that was, that happened to you? Um, I know that you and I have, you and I have talked about this, but how, how did the government or the authorities react or how do they react to women who are assaulted, raped, abused? How do they react over there? So I, I want to be very careful when I <laughs> when I go down this specific path because right. um, I did not report it. Mm. Um, when... It did happen, and I had heard about, you know, how the police and surprisingly, especially female officers in Trinidad deal with with rape victims. Um, Trinidad, even though we're the most developed Caribbean nation, um, we're still we're still lacking uh, and not as progressive as as I would like us to be. So you would still get questions like, you know, what were you wearing or what would you do? Even with physical violence, like what did you do to, to make someone attack you? So, um, because it, it, the act itself, it took away so much of my ability to just function. My capacity was severely limited. I I had to decide very quickly what I could handle. And what I could not handle (laughs) was going to a police station or a hospital and being treated like um, being blamed, Mm -hmm. you know, being being treated like anything other than someone who was 
violated, who was hurting, and who needed nothing but love, protection, and care. Um, so I decided to deal with it on my own. Wow. And how did dealing with it on your own push you to where you are today? Because, you know, as your friend, I've seen mm -hmm. you unfold, close back up, unfold, close back up, and then start <laughs> to bloom, right? And dealing yeah. with your, and I love that about you. You honor, you honor your space oh. and you honor where you are in life, whether it's something extremely, extremely intense and, and um, sad as this, or whether it's just, I need some space to myself to recharge. Uh -huh. How, how has your ability to come on the other side of this morphed? how your healing looks? Um, <clears throat> dealing with it on my own was um, out of necessity. I, I wish I didn't have to. Um, a lot of the decisions I made, looking back, um, I can't say that I would have made a different decision because now I'm in a different place. Right. So looking back, it's easy to say, oh, well, you should have done this. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, it gave me a new appreciation for who I am. Um, I had to learn how to not just forgive myself, but forgive people who I didn't think were showing up for me when I thought they should. Um, I had to learn that as deserving as I am of love and protection and care and safety and all the, all the good things. Um, I'm in no way entitled to it. Mm. And that was a really difficult <laughs> pill for me to swallow. Um, cause you, like you've known me for a very long time and I'm extremely stubborn. <laughs> I, I know what I want and I want it when I want it. And I tirelessly follow a dream or an idea, <laughs> uh, to the point of exhaustion until <laughs> I get it. So, so for me to, Pulling into myself, um, being quiet about it, because um, I don't think I even told you till I came back. Um, I don't remember when I told you, but it was it was almost a year after it had happened. Yeah. But uh, pulling into myself was both dangerous and necessary because I self-destructed, uh, and this is the part. Um, I don't know of, that I've shared with anyone, um, but I completely self-destructed. I was drinking all the time and not really knowing why. It's just something that I started doing. Um, I mean, some nights there was like a bottle of wine at the side of my bed because in order for me to sleep and still, I haven't slept really peacefully in a very long time. Um, but I had turned to these um, not so constructive <laughs> means of coping <clears throat> because I didn't have 
that support or safety net around me to just help me figure out what was going on. Um, it's made me stronger because I've always known I'm resilient, but if I had any doubts in my mind, they were, you know, they've been dissolved mm. completely. Um, but even that, uh, you were saying, you know, closing up and opening up and, you know, closing up and opening again. Um, I completely just exploded. Um, I no longer recognized myself. And that was that was the scariest thing. And when I say, like, literally, I would look at my reflection and not know who I was. Um, I stopped wearing makeup, started wearing makeup again, all in an attempt to just find Safa. <laughs> I, I lost her, Alex. And um, coming out of it, blooming, <laughs> um, I am different. I'm very different. Um, but I know that that self-care and self-love has become such a crucial part of my life and healing. And I'm, I'm really, really thankful for, as much as I would have loved that support, I'm really thankful that I was able to find my way um, on my own. Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love. And I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. And it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. 
Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. You um, went to therapy. Uh-huh. And... I want to talk about how your therapist supported you in not only this situation, but helped you realize how to find Safa again. When anybody experiences trauma and loss, it can be so difficult to remember how life was prior to and to Mm -hmm. remember who you were prior to the trauma, the loss, the devastation. How hard was that for you to find yourself again? And when did you start looking in the mirror and saying, oh, there she is. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> um, so I, I want to say that I immediately sought professional help. Mm-hmm. What I did, and, and again, all of this is part of healing and learning in the process. But I thought that it would be best for me to choose someone I could relate to most so I would choose, you know, someone black, someone female, um, someone close to my age. And even doing that, I had to decide this doesn't work. Um, my first therapist said something to me, um, and this is when I was in the thick of it and just, just angry with myself and really, really, really angry with myself. How could you let this happen? You know, mm-hmm. um, And I remember she said to me, you're responding unnaturally to something unnatural that's happened to you. Mm. Um, And that was that was really, really important. I still remind myself of that today. But uh, my relationship with her was very short. Um, I didn't I wasn't getting what I needed. Not not her fault, but uh, she didn't have the tools that I needed. Um, And, you know, a few tries later. Um, 65-year-old white man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> amazing, amazing human being. And for me, like, it's even talking now, my voice is shaky and, you know, my palms are sweating and it's difficult for me to... I'm good at talking with other people about their problems. Mm. I've never been very good at admitting my own. Um, and you know that I do. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> That's the, my favorite thing to say. I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I was not okay even before um, the rape happened. I was not okay. I was introduced to something called polyvagal therapy, where it focuses on the vagus, which is that space from our chest, um, our heart chakra. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where you feel the tightness and all of the tension. It, it, it's focused in your vagus. And um, with this professional, I was able to step outside myself. 
you're able to step outside of yourself and view yourself as you are. And I literally saw myself as a little girl just cowering in a corner and really scared. Mm. And now I'm able to look at myself and I see me again. Um, But that took a long time. It took being able to acknowledge the things that show up, that flight or fight response that we have when we're faced with triggers or, or anything, you know, things are constantly showing up in our spaces to help us deal. But sometimes they're not always constructive. Um, just understanding why certain parts of myself would show up. For me, I've always pushed them away. Like, I can't deal with this right now. So you go sit in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, I learned how to acknowledge and appreciate the different parts of me, the fighter, the comforter, the, you know, the angry bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse right. my language. Right. No, it's fine. Like all of the things that would show up, um, I learned how to acknowledge them and understand why they were there. They were all trying to protect the little girl cowering in the corner. And I had to learn how to really use those things, the little bits of them, and even saying, hey, I see you and I appreciate that you've shown up right now, but I need you to have a seat, not in the back of me, or just sit next to me for a bit and let me let me work through this. <laughs> so it took a lot of work, and, and triggers are so real. <laughs> right. And so scary mm-hmm. and ever-changing, and it's the... They're, they're just crazy little beasts. Like, that's the best way I can, I can describe them. And I believe that we all experience micro-triggers, but they're so small and irrelevant that we don't pay attention to them. But when they're big and they make you freeze and you're crippled by them, um, you know, that's a whole, that's a, a completely different ballgame. So I had to learn how to deal with those as well. What has self-forgiveness looked like? Because you mentioned earlier that you blamed yourself for the rape and that you had all these questions and negative self-talk and self-doubt. What did your self-forgiveness look like and how did you stop blaming yourself for somebody else's bad behavior? Um, somebody else's despicable behavior. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Disgusting behavior. Um, I mean, there's a list of yeah. words oh, we yeah. could use. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was, you know this, I was raised Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just within that realm, um, modesty and, you know, just carrying yourself a certain way is, is very impressed upon within that religion. Um, also I think I'm, I'm a pretty smart person. (laughs) Um, and when it happened, I felt like some of the signs were there. Some of the, and this was, this was a business associate turned friend, Mm. um, who was also introduced to me by someone I, I thought was a friend. Um, so there was like, you know, a comfortable, like I was comfortable in that space, but, uh, I had to forgive myself for just being human. (laughs) I remember thinking 
like there there was no way I could have prevented it's it's really counterproductive to think you could have prevented something especially when you have someone who is a predator and is very skilled in um in acquiring the things that they want and I remember seeing the phrase a rapist and a thief are the same because they don't understand when something doesn't belong to them. Mm. Um, so forgiving myself um, took a lot of bravery. I was, I was very angry with a lot of people. Um, and this, this event, it, there are so many moving parts to them. I will talk about them privately one day. But um, I, I've learned to forgive myself by, like, through forgiving others. Um, and that whole saying, you know, we're all refre- reflections of one another. Um, I really learned to just understand that it wasn't my fault. As strong as I am, as smart as I am, as beautiful as I am, um, as deserving of good things, I'm only in control of half of every situation that I'm in. And that wasn't my half to 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 own, to be responsible for, and I had to let it go. Hmm. And um, that's when the forgiveness came and the healing, the recognizing, I'm gonna touch on the recognizing myself again was when I um, I started shedding the things that I was holding on to that didn't belong to me. Mm. And that's, that's, I think, what prevented me from seeing the beautiful, capable, deserving woman that I've always been. It's because I allowed people and things to impress all of these things upon me. So there were this huge weight that literally changed my perception of myself, my physical perception of myself. Um, So learning to shed things that you don't need to hold on to, um, you know, learning that self-care isn't selfish. Um, Yeah, just, you know, just letting go of the parts of me that were not me. I am really proud of you for for speaking up about this and sharing a bit of your story with my listeners. Because as I always say, we're never alone in our struggle. So somebody is going to hear this and be able to lean on the truths that you've learned about yourself when it comes to healing and self-soothing and acknowledging your trauma and triggers, but choosing joy choosing blooming choosing growth it's so hard like life is hard but on top of sexual violence domestic (sighs) violence abuse I cannot imagine how much heavier things can be for people who are touched by that type of hurt and intensity and injustice um, and I'm so proud of you, Safa. I'm so proud of you. I've seen you. Oh, I've seen you. And, um, 
I'm just, I'm glad that you took time for yourself. And whenever you get quiet on me, I know that you're <laughs> doing your thing, you know, that you're <laughs> taking your time. And, yes. and um, to have you reappear, and not like you disappeared, but just have you mm -hmm. reemerge after such a hard thing um, and find ways to shift and mold and adjust to your rediscovery has been very admirable. And I want to touch on how you love to use your hands because <laughs> you moved to Philly and you found a wood shop and you're making <laughs> tables, beds, end tables, <laughs> countertops, floating oh shelves. And I'm like, this, this is how we turn inward and we find our, and we find our peace no matter what mm -hmm. happens to us, how has using your hands <laughs> molded you into finding your rhythm and your healing? Because you would FaceTime me from the wood shop with a mask on <laughs> and your helmet and your saw in hand. And I'm like, yeah. how is she going to turn that big ass piece of wood of dirty, <laughs> rusty nail written? Right. Into something beautiful. And it's but but like, how about that irony, though? You turn yeah. something ugly into something beautiful. Yeah. And that's uh, magic. It's like you've, we, Alex, you were my first friend that I made when I moved to D.C. <laughs> um, and, you know, our story is so long and funny and intertwined. And um, writing has always been a huge tool. So that's another way that I, I use my hands. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> woodworking, I happen upon these things like beekeeping and woodworking and, <laughs> and they consume me in these beautiful ways. Um, but with the, with woodworking, I, I love nature and like I've seen tree stumps and like touch them and burst into tears because this was once alive and it took years and years to grow big and strong and someone just cut it down. Um, but with, with woodworking and I'm sitting on my bed facing my headboard <laughs> and I can see every groove and notch. And I remember when I did that and, um, you're right, the way the wood looks before it looks pretty ordinary and, you know, this is actually reclaimed lumber that I used for most of the things that I've built. Um, so they were very, you know, they were kind of, kind of grungy <laughs> in the beginning. Um, but for me, like I'm a, I'm a big lover. Mm -hmm. I'm a big, like my heart is, is as big and strong as a mountain and it can't be, you know, it can't be, I don't think it can be destroyed. Um, so finding these things, these projects to just pour love into mm -hmm. and see the beauty come out, come out the other end. And, and in a way, it's what I had to do with myself. I had to pour all of this love into myself to see me bloom again. Mm -hmm. um, so with the, the wood shop, it's, it was a huge gift. And I thank all of the amazing men <laughs> that allow me to come and infiltrate their space. <laughs> and I'm like this little black girl, like hauling a piece of, you know, wood across the floor. 
And um, I know that they have a lot of admiration for me too. Um, but even, you know, boxing, I, I box now. Um, and that's another way that I've, I've used my myself, my body to really refine who I am. And a lot of it has to do with me keeping busy and having a routine. Yeah. And I am anti-establishment, anti-routine. Yes. I've been like that my entire life. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> and who would have thought that the thing, one of the things that helped save me was deciding that that part of me needed to change a little bit. Mm. Not completely. <laughs> I'm still pretty, uh, pretty free spirited, but having a routine, um, signing a lease and creating this space for myself, um, was very important. And, um, um, I appreciate you being proud of me and being part of this process and being a friend through all of it and creating this beautiful space. Um, and I don't think people realize that you're an introvert too. Can I can I say that? Yeah, they, I think I think I they've gotten the point these days. I always say it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, because you have. It seems like you have such a huge presence, but I don't think people realize um, how much of an introvert you are. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of presence, it's it's one of the things that I had to learn because other than being very introverted, I'm also very empathic. Mm -hmm. So I would assume that the people I love knew when I was thinking about them. (laughs) Like I'm sending you my mental love. Like I I know you're going to get it, but I had to learn to be more present. Mm. Even with, you know, you and Charlie and now Isla, I've had to consciously make an effort to show up for the people I love because in the space I was or in the space I am, I desperately needed people to show up for me. Mm-hmm. And it hurt when I didn't get that. It hurt when, you know, my family and the people who were in close proximity didn't show up. And I knew that that part of me also had to change because I can't assume that everyone knows that I love them, you know, that I'm thinking about them. So that's also that being present in everything and in everyone's lives and really making the effort, even though it's sometimes uncomfortable, there's love that goes with it because you know that you're making someone you care about aware of your love for them and and making them happy. But yeah, I think I got off topic a little bit. (laughs) That goes into what you said earlier, pouring love. And that's what I love about you. You've always been a pourer of love. It's so funny. Like I always know when you're sending me joy mm-hmm. and love because we'll text each other and you'll be like I was just <laughs> just thinking <laughs> all the time though for all years. the time like yeah been, yeah yeah um but okay I um we're, we're gonna wrap up but I I just want you to know um how much I admire you for this and for just how you move through the world um you are a very special person and I am honored again that you have shared this part of your journey with me and with the women who are going to be listening and with the men who are going to be listening, because these are the type of stories that we need to share too. It's not always easy to navigate this world. Um, 
And with that said, I would love for you to leave our listeners with three self-care tips when walking through trauma. Um, so every day um, I have to wake up and remind myself of how much of a badass I am. (laughs) (laughs) And that sounds, you know, don't worry about, you know, seeming conceited. Remind yourself every day you are wonderful and deserving of every single good thing. And if you honestly think that you're not, then root the things out that you don't like about yourself and change them. Get rid of them if they don't serve you. Um, So every day I have to I have to do that. I have to remind myself that, Safa, you're amazing. <laughs> no matter how crappy you feel, like even taking a shower some days, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. But you remind yourself that you're amazing. Um, set boundaries for yourself. I had to learn how important boundaries are. Um, so set boundaries for yourself and make sure you don't allow people to impose on your space. Don't allow them, you know, those people do it all the time and they don't mean any harm by it mostly, but learn to say no. Um, and take, take a moment. It sounds really cliche, but take a moment to smell the flowers. Um, nature has always been a huge healer for me and I've literally had to retreat to the forest (laughs) to, to strengthen myself. Um, so whatever it is for you, Choose that thing that naturally feeds you and gravitate towards it more. So I would say those are the three things that daily I try to practice. Thank you so much, Safa. I love you. You love you too, Alex. Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network. Produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L. Music provided by DC's own Kokai.